Hi everyone, I'm Ricardo Gonsalves and welcome to episode five of Your Health and Your Wealth. Later, it's the modern day lay-by, kind of. The difference is that you get your goods up front. It's buy now, pay later. We'll tell you the pros and cons. But let's get straight to your health because large parts of Melbourne have re-entered lockdown and it's clear that COVID-19 isn't going away anytime soon. So if you've gone back into lockdown or if you're in other parts of the country and still anxious about coronavirus, how do you look after your mind? Well, for that, I'm joined live by Kimberly Norris. She's a clinical psychologist at the University of Tasmania in Hobart. Kim, thank you very much for your time. How real are lockdown blues? They are all too real. So not only are we isolated from most of the people we normally spend time with and we're away from our normal coping strategies, we're also confined. And when you get that combination of isolated and confined, it can really increase that sense of loneliness. And loneliness, as we know, is linked to a range of negative mental health outcomes, including things like depressive and anxiety symptoms. For those people that have gone through lockdown, right, and now have to experience it again, what do you say to them to help them stay fit emotionally and and mentally? Especially it, it would be difficult the second time around, wouldn't it, because you know what it's like the first time? Absolutely. So there is that pre-existing experience that is both a benefit but also a challenge. So you know what to expect but you also know how challenging it can be. So what the advice we give people is the big one is to understand that it's normal to have ups and downs in your mood because that's a normal reaction to a very abnormal environment. And the other thing is to control the things you can and let go of the things you can't. Because overall, when we feel that the world is more controllable, more predictable, we feel less anxious. So hold on to those things that are in your control and you do need to step back from those things that, that you don't have control over at the moment. Kimberly, what I find interesting about what's happening right now are the flow-on effects, right? And because most of the lockdowns or the lockdowns happening in Victoria, right, and there are a lot of memes, a lot of jokes, Victoria's becoming a bit of a butt of jokes, see it online. Um, New South Wales recently closed its border with Victoria. It can make Victorians quite isolated. So what's the responsibility, though, for everyone else around the country not to make Victorians feel even worse, I guess? Absolutely. So what you're describing is a very well-known social psychological theory, and it talks about in-group versus out-group members. And when we want to be part of a group, we align ourselves very strongly and we do things that show that we belong to the group. But if for some reason there is a group that poses a risk to us, and at the moment people are seeing those within Victoria as posing a health risk, they try to distance themselves and try to maximise or make bigger those differences so that people will not classify them together. So rather than focusing on our differences, a big thing at the moment is to look at our similarities. The other one is something called compassion satisfaction. There's really good research to show that if you are able to empathise and take the perspective of other people, your own mental health can benefit by 
that altruistic, that giving of yourself. For those in areas where COVID-19 isn't as much of a threat right now, and, and I mean, the, the, there's a real possibility that, you know, it will re-emerge. Uh, what do you say to them, especially if they're feeling anxious in other parts of the country? Again, it's that same idea of focus on the things that are in your control and let go of those things that are not. But the other thing is also to think about, rather than this being something that is all bad, positives can result. Think about your values and think about the things that bring purpose and meaning to your life and put your energy into those things because that will help you not only now in the short term but in the longer term as well. Kimberly, I want you to stick around for a moment because what I want to do right now is bring in an old colleague of mine. Uh, she's been living in Japan for more than two years. It's Ashley uh, Dolan. Uh, Ash, You've been in Japan for more than two years, but COVID's making it very difficult to come home. Can you tell us why? Yes. Yeah, so um, basically, to I can, as an Australian citizen, come home. Um, however, I won't be able to return to Japan because Australia is still barred. Australians are still barred from entry into Japan. And as I'm not a citizen of Japan, that makes it quite difficult. So also... The um, flight prices have increased dramatically, so they're about four times as much as a normal flight now. So I kind of had to make a decision whether I quickly pack up everything that I've been working for here to go back to Australia or just try and sit it out here. How has that made you feel? Because the way you got my attention is that you posted a pretty emotional video on, on YouTube um, late last week uh, talking about how difficult it is for you. Can you explain what's going through your mind? Yeah, so um, it does tend to go in waves. There will be times where I'll be like, okay, yeah, I'm doing fine. And then there'll be other times, like, for example, I teach children English as one of my part-time jobs and there'll be a section about Sydney or something and I'll find myself welling up. Um, but basically, I guess as an expat, and I suppose a lot of expats are similar, I live here, I, I mean, I love my life in Japan, but I live here be knowing that I can get back home and I can visit my family and friends in real life from time to time. And although I'm very thankful and grateful for the technology that we have where we can do face-to-face catch-ups online, it's not the same and, and sometimes it has the opposite effect where it makes me feel even more isolated from my family because although I can see them, they're, they're not here and I guess it kind of makes you question your choices living abroad as well, whether it's actually worth it, yeah. Kimberly, if I can get you to come in now, I mean, what would you say to other Australians in a similar position to Ashley, dotted all around the world? Because we often don't talk about this when we talk about coronavirus and the pandemic. Absolutely. And that very point that Ash just made around it's a double-edged sword, that we know that social connection and communication is so vital, but being able to see people and not being able to hold them or touch them can sometimes make it feel more difficult. And that's because of the way our brain works. That physical touch, that physical interaction actually helps to release feel-good chemicals in our brain. And our brain knows that. So when it sees somebody who is important to us, who we love, and yet we don't have that physical connection, it's almost craving that loss, craving that feeling. 
So part of it is about understanding and trying to focus on that this is a short-term challenge. And the other point that was raised, and it's so vital here, is thinking about what, what's important. There's a reason people are expats and are working around the globe. There is a sense of purpose and there's a sense of, you know, uniqueness that comes from that. So hold on to that personally meaningful aspect because that will be what gets you through until we can have that connection again. Some great advice. Hey, Ashley, before you go, can you give us an idea of what the streets of Japan are like where you are at and how they're handling the pandemic? Yeah, so I'm in Kapporo in northern Japan, in Hokkaido, and generally the curve has been flattened here. Um, we went out of state of emergency early June. Things are slowly getting back to normal. People are still a little bit hesitant to go outside and classes are still being held online. Um, however, yeah, things people are slowly gradually starting to meet up with each other um tokyo on the other side are still have quite large numbers for example they have 100 new cases a day so it's it's still a little bit touch and go <laughs> hey ash um i really appreciate your time and joining us on your health and your world thank you so much ash thank you nice to see you you too kimberly before i let you go to um final question where can anyone get help if they're struggling to deal with their coronavirus and lockdown anxiety? One of the ironies, I think, of the coronavirus is it has increased people's access to vitally needed mental health services. So it depends on what your preferences are. A good first stop is your GP who can speak to you about the options. However, there are a number of online services, including Beyond Blue and Lifeline, that have actually focused on corona-specific interventions. So my advice is engage with whatever format of support best suits your needs. And if you are in Victoria, do make use of those online and telephone-based supports. And uh, that number for Lifeline is on the screen. It's 13 11 14. 13 11 14. Kimberly Norris, really appreciate your time. Thank you for joining us on Your Health and Your Wealth. Thank you. Kimberly Norris there. And if you do want to uh, follow any of my guests, you can get Ashley on uh, Twitter or Instagram at Ash Sticks, A-S-H-S-T-I-X, and Kimberly at Dr. Kim Norris, D-R-K-I-M-N-O-R-R-I-S. Okay, so that's your health. Let's now move on to your wealth. And with many of us stuck at home trying to find things to do, quite a number of us have turned to online shopping to keep us busy. And that's led to a surge in the number of people using buy now, pay later services like Afterpay and Zip. They've become so popular that their share prices have gone through the roof in recent times. But I guess one of the reasons for that too is because these companies are expanding overseas. We're not here to talk about them as an investment though, rather as a payment option. So for that and more details, I'm joined by Gemma Rasmussen from website mozo.com.au. Gemma, let's get into it. What are Buy Now Pay Later services and how do they work? Sure. So Buy Now Pay Later services, they're a payment plan system that allows you to pay for goods and services in installments. So you may remember, you know, back in the day we had a lay-by and it's very similar to that. But the difference is that you can actually pay the first installment 
and take your item home. Whereas in the past, you used to, with lay by, you would buy something, you'd get that last payment through, and you'd finally be able to take your coat or whatever home. Um, and so I guess, you know, if you buy a coat for $200, you would pay $50. And then typically two weeks later, you'd pay another $50 until it was paid off. Um, but I guess the interesting thing about the way Buy Now Pay Later works is it's available at the point of sale. So with a credit card, you would apply for it and then you would use it. Um, you could go into a shop, see a dress that you love, something like that. Um, buy now, pay later would be available at the counter. You could sign up and make that purchase. So it becomes very tempting. What happens though, right? So say you buy that dress um, mm -hmm. today, you buy a shirt tomorrow mm -hmm. and you buy a, a washing machine next week. How do the payments all work? Do they get lumped together, for example? No, they don't. So this is uh, a very tempting thing about buy now, buy now, pay later, which can become tricky. So say you buy the dress, you get the payment on the 8th and then it's scheduled for two weeks later. Um, and then, but a week after you buy the dress, you buy a coat. So then that payment comes out on that day, but two weeks later, the the, the next payment can come out. So your calendar can start to look very full of payments coming out. And our research has shown that uh, a lot of people who do use Buy Now Pay Later find themselves getting in a little bit over their head with those payment schedules as the payments start coming out. And, you know, perhaps you haven't budgeted for that. It can it can be a little bit alarming. Um, and I guess, you know, with Buy Now Pay Later, there are no credit checks. So you could be using a number of services at once and, and it can um, really get quite intense. But they've still become quite popular. Just how popular have these services become? That's right. They've become incredibly popular, um, particularly with the younger demographic in Australia. So in 2016, there were around 400,000 people using Buy Now Pay Later. Uh, by 2018, that hit 2 million. And now there are 5.8 million people in Australia who are using Buy Now Pay Later, which equates to about 30% of the population. Um, so I think, you know, in recent years, credit cards have really lost a lot of their sheen as uh, re rewards values have plummeted, obviously high interest rates, account keeping fees. And the great thing about Buy Now, Pay Later is that if you manage it well, it's it's a great service and I can absolutely understand the appeal. Um, so yeah, I, the, the, it certainly does resonate with younger generations and it really has taken off. I guess the other thing is that it's available across a really wide range of stores, both in line and, online and physical stores. So really you can use Buy Now Pay Later to buy anything from uh, tickets to a dress to an event. So yeah, it's it's everywhere. I guess the risk ultimately, though, is that you are still using your money. So you're just really delaying that that payment, aren't you? That's right. And I've, Mozo Research has found that uh, people have said that they are enticed to buy things that they wouldn't normally buy if it was a one-up fee. So you kind of think, oh, you know, it's only $35 out of my account and then I only have to do $35 in two weeks and so on and so on. Whereas if you were having to hand over that chunk of money in, in one go, it really is a lot more painful. So um, psychologically, it is an incredibly enticing way to spend money. And uh, yeah, th th there has been some issues for people if they aren't able to manage it. All right. So how do these buy now, pay later companies make their money? What are the costs to the user? 
Yeah, so they they do make a lot of money from the vendors. The vendors do pay a fee, um, but to the user, um, ultimately, it's not going to cost you money with mods. So Afterpay, which is the biggest um, the biggest user, if you're meeting all of your payments on time, you're not actually paying anything for the service. If you hit with a late fee, that's when that's when some of the issues can arise. So you know, $10 for missing a payment, things like that. Uh, some some services will charge you a monthly fee. So zip pay, if you have any money outstanding, even if you've met your minimum repayment or whatnot, you would pay $6 a month for having those services. So if you are thinking about signing up for a platform, it's just really important to read the terms and conditions and understand exactly what you are signing up for. There was a period there where there was a lot of discussion about whether or not it would impact your credit history. Does it? Yes, it can. Um, so I guess the the thing to remember is that if you are defaulting on your payments and you're in over your head, it can absolutely affect your credit rating. So tread carefully and, and make sure that you can um, meet your payments and, and don't bite off more than you can chew with Buy Now, Pay Later. Final question, is it for everyone? Because, you know, as me as a consumer, I would think, oh, I'm, I'm generally good with my money. I want to get my points, you know, so I'd probably yeah. use my credit card knowing I'm going to pay it off. So who's it for? Look, I think it really depends on on your lifestyle. And I think if you can be quite fastidious with your budgeting and have a good understanding of what you can afford, then Buy Now, Pay Later is a great service. I think uh, for a lot of younger people, they don't see the appeal of credit cards as much. They don't want to be paying um, account keeping fees. They don't really like the high interest rates. And, um, you know, racking up uh, payments on credit cards and seeing that interest and, and not being able to pay down that balance that's been a huge problem for a lot of Australians and we are no stranger to debt as a nation. So buy now, pay later can be a great way to get ahead if you, you know, if you don't know how to use it. If you're more about chasing points and, you know, trying to get those frequent flyer rewards for whenever we can fly, um, then that's great. But it's it's different strokes for different folks. <laughs> Hey, Gemma, really appreciate your analysis on this. Uh, I guess there's more uh, information on that on the Mozo website. So that's Gemma Rasmussen from Mozo. Thank you so much for joining us. And you can follow um, Gemma via Mozo on Twitter, for example, at Mozo, M-O-Z-O underscore A-U. And uh, that is it for this stream of Your Health and Your Wealth. Don't forget the information on this program is general in nature and you should contact a licensed financial professional to make sure any investment decision that you make is the right decision for you. Your Health and Your Wealth is all over social media, live right now if you're watching on the likes of Facebook, LinkedIn, uh, YouTube and Twitter and Periscope. Uh, if you, you can watch it also on delay and there will be an audio version of this program up on Spotify later tonight. So um, tell your friends. I'm Ricardo Gonsalves. I'll see you next time.